You ready to get into God's word? We've been in the book of Acts. We are in chapter 3 last week. We looked at verses 1 through 10. And we're going to kind of camp out there uh, because we talked about healing. And that's a, that is a deep, deep topic. And I think it's, it fits today because today is Palm Sunday, right? You guys, you guys uh, happy Palm Sunday. Jesus' purpose in riding into Jerusalem was to make public his claim to be their Messiah and the King of Israel in fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. In fact, Matthew says that the king coming on the foal of a donkey was an exact fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, where it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now Jesus rode into Jerusalem as a conquering king, and he was hailed by the people as a king according to the culture of that day. And just like a king, he ascends to his palace, not a temporal palace, but the spiritual palace that is the temple because he is a, this is a spiritual kingdom we're talking about. He received worship and praise of the people. Why? Well, because Jesus is worthy of all of our praise. And this is the first time that Jesus no longer tells his disciples to be quiet about him. It's powerful. You know, Matthew chapter 12, verse 16, chapter 16, verse 20, he tells his disciples, be quiet. It's not the time. But right now he tells them, shout out his praises. He's okay with them worshiping him openly. The spreading of cloaks was actually an act of homage for royalty. And Jesus was openly declaring to the people that he was their king. He was their Messiah that they had been waiting for. It's a powerful portion of scripture. And, and it's quite fitting for where we find ourselves today in the book of Acts. We're not going to leave chapter 3. We're still going to look at verses 1 through 10 or at least use it as a springboard. Because here we see in chapter 3 the fulfillment of what Jesus had been promising. Our king is, is now doing exactly what he's promised to do. He's building his kingdom. Now Jesus is back in heaven, but his disciples, through the power of the Holy Spirit, they're continuing this ministry of Jesus, and they're continuing to build his kingdom. So what I want to do today is we talked about healing. We, we unpacked the passage last week, and I didn't get a chance because I only got 45 minutes to an hour, and that's just not long enough to preach. <laughs> no amens, huh? <laughs> we got a lot of visitors today. It's, it's, uh, it's a deep topic because we're going to talk about healing. Now, we're going to talk about spiritual healing, but we're talking about physical healing too because we see in Acts chapter 3, verse 1 through 10, somebody is healed physically. They go from being a cripple to, to walking and praising and shouting praises to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. Growing up in the assemblies of God, we love, in fact, one of our divine, uh, or not divine truths, one of our <laughs> fundamental truths. There we go. That's what I'm looking at. One of our fundamental truths is we believe in divine healing. So we believe that God physically heals today, that that's something that happens. And growing up, sometimes, again, last week I told you, sometimes the word, the Bible in the wrong hands can actually do more damage than good. So we need to interpret it properly. And I'm not saying that it wasn't interpreted properly as a kid for me growing up. But one of the things I always struggled with growing up is, okay, if, if God heals, why do so many people die of, of cancer? Why are we still dying? I mean, we're all headed towards death. Like, I mean, everybody, it doesn't matter who you are. And I, I still remember as a little kid getting in trouble by my dad because my father in our church, he had what was called the intercessors group. And it was a group of uh, 
uh, elderly people who were so committed to praying. And I think a lot of the great things that happened in our church was because of that group. But I remember one of the elderly ladies, uh, she came up to me one day and was talking about healing in our Sunday school class. And she said, God heals always. Now, I was only like six or seven. I don't even know if I was Liam's age, maybe six or seven years old. And I remember looking at her because she's teaching a lesson and she's teaching through bifocal glasses. So her eyesight was so bad. She, I mean, they look like Coke bottles. And I remember as a six or seven-year-old thinking, I can't buy into what she's teaching because if, if this is the case, then why, why does she have to wear those goggles? Why does she have to wear those? And I got in trouble because at the end of the service, I, I, or the end of the Sunday school lesson, I actually went up to uh, Sister Bertha and I told her, hey, listen, maybe if we join our faith together, you don't have to wear those. And she let my dad know what I said and I got in big trouble. But, but it's, it's such a... You talk about healing, and what breaks my heart is when we talk about healing, we're so divided on it. So many times we're divided, and, it, it, and even for me, my own father, I mean, I've told you the story. Nine years, he battled a brain tumor, and he died of this brain tumor. And, and for me, when I approach the, the subject of healing, it's like I get a knot in my stomach. And here's what breaks my heart, because when you go back to God's word, it's supposed to encourage you. It's not, it's not supposed to be something that we, we divide on or divide over. It's supposed to be encouraging. And the promise of healing has to be one of the greatest promises of Scripture. It shouldn't be something that we try to avoid because we don't know how to preach it or teach it or explain it. When you go back to God's Word, I'm telling you, and you understand God's Word, it is life changing. And so all my life I've battled. I'm going to be really transparent with you. I have struggled with the doctrine of healing my entire life because I have seen too many good people die of sickness and disease. My own father in my own life, it was a battle that I had to go through. But as I've come to learn scripture, it's completely radically changed my life. And so today I want to just take, we're going to take the entire service. We're going to look at healing. We're going to answer three questions. And I am forever, I'm indebted to Pastor Robert Morris out of Texas. I'm going to use his outline. He preached, uh, I think maybe six years ago, he did a series on healing and he just took one week and he answered these three questions. Does God still heal today? How do I receive healing? And what do I do if Jesus doesn't heal me? And we're going we're gonna to answer these three questions based on the text that we just read. Because this is Jesus doing what he promised he was going to do. Okay, so this is the very first recorded miracle uh, after Pentecost. I want to, and we're going to jump all over. That's why I, I told you, if you have your Bible, I would just sit back and watch. We've got all the scriptures up on on the screen today and in your notes that we sent out, you've got every single scripture. So I would sit back and just soak some of this in. But Luke chapter four, verse 18 through 19, I wanna read this real quick. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus stood up and he says, this is who I am. This is who I am. Look what he says. He's saying that he heals and he delivers. And so the question we're going to answer today is, does he still heal? It's a difficult subject to understand because we still have sickness in the world. We know that Christians get sick. In fact, some of us have family members who have passed away because of sickness. Maybe even some of us are here today. We've been diagnosed with a disease or some type of sickness, and and we're facing that right now. So not only is it a hard question, but it's a fair question. 
I think it's fair. Does God still heal today? So we're going to talk about it. We're going to answer this question. Does Jesus still heal? Now, I want to go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 through 24. And it says, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. He healed them. So when Jesus was on earth, he healed people. So does he still heal today? And I hope, I hope when I ask that question, I hope m- all of us in here would say, yes, he does. Yes, Jesus still heals today. Well, I'll tell you, New Heights Church believes, 100% believes that Jesus still heals today. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, right? Jesus still heals. Now, I think we've, we've seen or experienced people who have been healed, but then there are still questions because there are always those that don't get healed. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I grew up. I saw miracles. I did. I remember at, at I think I was as early as 10 years old, experiencing the first miracle of somebody being prayed for at the altar. And I just, I still vividly remember that tumor disappearing in front of us all. It was a miracle. I saw that. And then I saw my own dad battle a tumor for nine years and pass away from it. So if Jesus heals today, then why do people still get sick? Right? Well, I want to read. We're going to jump all over. And, and I, if you're new here, we're a verse-by-verse church. So, and I would have jumped into all of this based on of Acts, Acts uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. But today we're, we're literally going to go all throughout Scripture to show you the power of what Jesus was, was the, the claiming to be the king on, on Palm Sunday. When he rode into Jerusalem on that donkey, he was making a powerful claim. And we're going to look at that because one of the promises is that Jesus heals. So Psalms 103, verse 1 through 3, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now what are his benefits? Look with me at verse 3. Here's his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. So here, this is the Bible, this is the Word of God, and we know that everything in the Word of God is true. So what, what does verse 3 say? It says that he forgives all your iniquity, Okay, he forgives your sin, and he heals all your diseases, your sicknesses. Now, that sounds pretty stinking amazing, doesn't it? <laughs> but it seems a little odd that some people think that he does one but not the other. So you're not going to find anybody in the Christian church who's going to argue with you that he doesn't, he doesn't forgive sin today. That was something he did in the past. But today he doesn't. He doesn't do that. I've never heard that growing up in the church. I've never heard that, that Jesus, that was something he did in the past when it came to forgiveness of sins, but he doesn't now. But I, maybe it's easier to believe that he forgives us all of our sins than to believe he heals us of our disease. I don't know. But here it is in the same verse. And here's the deal. These two ideas that are, are in the same verse right here in verse 43, they're actually linked together in all kinds of different passages all throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. All throughout the Bible. Forgiveness of all sins and healing of all diseases. You see it all throughout the Bible. It's like Batman and Robin, peanut butter and jelly. Right? Nope. <laughs> what, tuna and bread, whatever your combo is, Okay. They go together, all right? So 
So all throughout Scripture, we'll see that God's people aren't going to be sick and they're going to be forgiven. Now, the verse that the Assemblies of God builds this, this whole doctrinal truth on is in Isaiah chapter 53. I'll read it to you. Isaiah 53 verse 5. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And, and with his wounds we are healed. Some of, your, some of your translations say, by his stripes, we are healed. Healing and forgiveness in the same verse, again, are healed. Here's what I want you to notice. Are healed. You see that up there. I've, are healed. That's present tense. Isaiah says, by his wounds, we are healed. That's present tense. Now watch in the New Testament when Peter quotes this. Because Peter quotes this very same passage. I want, you to, I want you to pay attention. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, here's what Peter says. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So again, forgiveness of sins... But I want you to pick up on something. Look at that verse, because Peter's quoting that verse, but he makes a change here, and I want you to see this. Do you notice how he changed the phrase, uh, are being healed, present, present tense, to past tense? He says, have been healed. All of a sudden, Peter quotes the same passage, but he says it in past tense. You have been healed. Isaiah, you had present tense. Now in First Peter, we've got past tense. Now come on, Bible students. Pick up on this. <laughs> We love the Bible. We're students. This is big, so don't miss it. Bible's perfect. I want you to know that. The Bible's perfect. It doesn't make mistakes. So Isaiah, when he's writing this, he's looking to the cross. He's looking to Jesus dying on the cross. It has not happened when Isaiah wrote it. Everything that you and I today know about Christianity, all that we celebrate, we look back to the cross, Right? That's, what, that's why we can celebrate. That's why Easter's amazing, because Jesus went to the cross, and he did what on the cross? He gave us the ability to be forgiven of sin. He gave us the ability to have new life, to have victory, to have freedom. That's the cross. That's why the cross is the symbolic, uh, it's symbolic of the Christian faith. And that's what Isaiah's looking to, but Peter, it's behind him. So he's looking back to the cross, and he's saying, because of that, you've been healed. Because of the cross, you, you've been healed, past tense. And yeah, Peter looks back at the cross. He's able to say, by, by his wounds, you have been healed, past tense. It's already happened. And just so you know, Peter's not the only one who quotes the Old Testament passage. We're going to look to it in just a minute. But before that, I want to go back to Isaiah real quick. We looked at verse 5. I want to look at verse 4. I want to look at what Isaiah, uh, the context of this, this passage that we're seeing quoted throughout the New Testament. So look with me at Isaiah 53, 4, because he says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Now here's what I want you to notice. The word griefs in the Hebrew means sickness. And some of you are thinking, well, why is it translated griefs? Look, language is difficult. I don't know. If you guys, we probably got people in our church today who, who know multiple languages. We have different nationalities here who have come from different countries, and they learn different languages. Liz and I served as a missionary. We were 10 years in Asia, and I had to learn uh, Thai, which is really hard because it's a tonal language. And if you say the wrong tone, it can mean something different. So the word ma, ma, ma 
means five different things depending on what tone. That's not good for a guy like me that's going to uh, have to learn a tonal language and I was kicked out of choir because I was tone deaf, right? So the word, there's, there's a word and I won't get into too much detail here up on the stage behind the pulpit, but there is a word in the Thai language that can either mean kids or a male body part. And depending on what tone you use or what clarifier or whatever it is, you, you, you could be meaning something very different. And so when I addressed the entire assemblies of God in Thailand, I wanted to say it myself. I didn't want a translator. Uh, Ajahn Maliwan kept telling me, Justin, don't try this. And I got it, Ajahn Maliwan. I'm good. And so I introduced my wife and myself. I said, this is, my name's Justin. This is my wife, Liz. And uh, we have two wonderful kids. But guess what? I didn't use the right tone. And so instead I said, we both have two male body parts and we've named them Allie and Asher. <laughs> so the superintendent would always come up to me and go, Sawadee Kappa, John Justin. And then he would look down and go, Ali Asher. <laughs> And it got worse when we had a third child because I loved to go in taxi cabs and practice my, my tie. And so I'd always ask him, how many male body parts do you have? Trying to ask him, how many kids do you have? And he would answer me and say, how many do you have? I said, three. I have three. And he would go, whoa. Language is hard, isn't it? So, so what we have here is the Bible was written in an original language and now it's been translated. And so it's not, I, I need you, grief. In, in, in Hebrew means sickness. In fact, this word is in the Old Testament 24 times, and only four times it's translated griefs. 20 times it's translated sickness, disease, or, or just sick. So 20 out of 24, it's translated sickness. Now, why, why am I telling you this? Because, because you're going to understand Matthew a whole lot more when he's quoting this passage. So look with me, Matthew chapter 8, 8, verse 16. It says, That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits uh, with a word, and he healed all who were sick. He healed all who were sick. Now, why was this done? Well, he answers it in verse 17. Look, this was done to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illness and bore our diseases. So you see Matthew's quoting from Isaiah, and he uses the word sickness, okay? He knows the scripture. He, he's fluent in the language. He is a much better uh, at the Hebrew language than I am. Thank God. I got a C- minus at seminary. But man, Matthew, he is good with the Hebrew language and he translates the word sickness. He knows scripture. So he bore our what? He bore our sins and he bore our sicknesses. All right. First Peter tells us he bore our sins on the cross and Matthew tells us he bore our sickness on the cross. Now go back to Psalms 103 and look with me on the screen at verse three. Who forgives all your iniquity, that's your sin, who heals all your diseases. All right, well, great. Pastor Justin, I know what the text teaches now, but still a big, big old elephant in the room, right? And some of you are thinking, he ain't gonna address it. Well, let's address the elephant in the room. That's what you do when you preach verse by verse. You gotta address the elephants in the room. So here it is. What you're teaching, if what you're teaching me from the text is true, then why do people still get sick? Why did your own father die from a brain tumor? Why is my loved one suffering from a disease? Why? It says Jesus bore our sins on the cross, right? It says Jesus bore our sins and our sicknesses. So here's my question for you today. 
Did he? Right? Yeah, we would all say, yeah, he bore our, our sins on the cross. Everyone would say yes. But, but we still sin. We still sin, don't we? Because if you say no, you just sinned. <laughs> right? I mean, no one's going to stand up and say, I, I, ever since I gave my life to Jesus, I have been perfect. Because that would be a sin. You would be lying right in front of us all. We'd be experiencing a sin. So we give our life to Jesus, and we still struggle with sin. That's a present reality in our life that we're going to face with till the day that Jesus makes all things new. Now, if Jesus bore our sins, why? then why would we still sin? He, I mean, he did. He bore our sins on the cross. He did that, but we still sin. He bore our sickness, yet we still get sick. Here's the truth. We live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen, broken world, sin-filled world, sickness-filled world. But there's a new world that's coming. That's why Jesus, who sits on the throne, said, I am making everything new. Making everything new. There's this world, this new world that's coming. And this new world's not going to have sin. It's not going to have sickness. But to really understand this, we've got to grasp this. We have to go back to the teaching of the cross. Because the cross is not just a fancy decoration for Easter. We know all the passages about it. But do we really understand what they mean when they talk about the cross? Do we really grasp what the passage, the scripture means? So let's look at what Jesus bore on the cross for us today. He bore, and now theologians... We'll call this the, excuse me, we'll call this the three tenses of salvation. Here's what he bore on the cross for us. Penalty of our sins, the power of our sins, and the presence of our sins. All right? The three tenses of salvation. The penalty of our sins, which is also, you guys know this, justification. You heard that big theology term there. So this is justification. When you and I go to Jesus and we surrender our lives to him and we ask for his forgiveness, we are declared justified. All right? We're forgiven. Then what he bore on the the cross is the power of our sins. And this this is sanctification. And this is the, the, the season we're in right now. So we give our life to Jesus and we experience justification, we're forgiven. And then, then we also are forgiving, uh, or he bore on the cross the power of our sins. So we're learning to overcome our sins, overcome the power of sin, and, and that's called justification. It's a process. We're supposed to grow spiritually. You know, when we first give our lives to Jesus, and then 10 years later, we should be different spiritually. We should be. There should be a a difference in our lives. We're supposed to be growing spiritual. Then spiritually, the third thing is that he bore on the cross was the presence of our sins. We are not free from the presence of sin yet. Look around this world. We are not free from the presence of sin. But one day, and this is called glorification, one day we're going to be with him and we're not going to be in the presence of sin anymore. I mean, the greatest miracle in the Bible is not the parting of the Red Sea or the raising of Lazarus from the dead. The greatest miracle is the conversion of an individual by the power of God so that that person becomes a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's the greatest miracle of all the Bible. Hmm? So salvation, salvation is deliverance from the grip of sin. In the Old Testament, the word salvation sometimes referred to deliverance from danger. 
We see that in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 20. Sometimes it was used to describe deliverance of the weak from an oppressor. We see that in the book of Psalms. At other times, it referred to a a national deliverance from a military threat. We see that in Exodus, really all throughout the, the Old Testament. But the word salvation finds its deepest meaning in the spiritual realm, that every human being has a universal need for salvation is one of the most clear teachings of the Bible. Salvation is the entire process by which God rescues sinful human beings from their bondage to sin. He gives them an overhaul from the inside out. Salvation is accomplished in three tenses, past, present, future. Past, the moment we gave our lives to Jesus, we were justified. Present, we are overcoming the, the power of sin and presence. One day we, will, we won't even be in the presence of, of sin. So he also bore, like I said, the penalty, the power, and the presence of our sickness. Okay, because all throughout the Bible, you go read the, the Old Testament, you go read about all the promises of the Messiah, you're going to see that there were two promises, and they're always linked together, just like I said. Uh, forgiveness of sin, healing of disease. Comes in a package. All right? He was the penalty, Jesus. Jesus is the power, and Jesus is, is to come one day where we will not have the presence. Here's another thing. Jesus is the same. I said it before. I'll say it again. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God's not bound by time. Another way to say it is we have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. Christ's wounds, his death in our place, and his suffering for our good have freed us from the penalty and the power of our sin as Christians and followers of Jesus. It was his wounds, his suffering, are how how, how we are healed and how we are forgiven of our sins. Now, I'm going to get a little ahead here. Let me see, because I think you're getting it. But because Jesus paid, paid it in full, the penalty of sin, it's taken care of. All that's left for you and me is to believe in him who received the gift of salvation. That's all we got to do to receive it. John chapter 1, 12 through 13, he says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Before Jesus' death, Jewish Jewish priests uh, were compelled to make frequent sacrifices for people's sins. You want to see a really powerful movie, go watch His Only Son. Liz and I just watched it this week, and it is incredible when it comes to this, the, the whole idea of sacrifice. And, and it's just eye-opening. Great movie. Go see it. That's why Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 through 12 states that this changed when Jesus was the sacrificed. It says, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. There was a transaction that takes place when you come to your faith in Jesus. When you surrender to Jesus, your sins are forgiven, your judgment's taken, your condemnation is gone, the deal's done. It's by grace that you have been saved. So, so that's, you, we're, we're saved from the penalty. One day I'm going to be saved from the presence, right, of sin in heaven. There's going to be no more sin. We will be saved from sin's presence one day. First Peter uh, says, First Peter 1.5 says, the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter's not saying that our salvation's uh, fake. He's just saying it's not complete until the last time. One day we won't have to worry about sin anymore. 
when Christ returns, he's going to take you into his presence where there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. That's the great hope. Amen? No sin in heaven. Now, I want you to know this. We've also been saved from the penalty of sickness. And one day, I will be saved from the presence of sickness too. All right? But right now, I'm being saved from the power of sin, being saved from the power of sickness. The more I get God's word in me, it's like Psalms 107.20. He sent, he sent out his word and he healed them and delivered them from their destruction. The more I allow God's word in my life to work through me, the more power I have to overcome sin and the more power I have to understand that healing comes from God. Okay? So we've been saved from the penalty of sin. We've been saved from the penalty of sickness. Here's what that means. Let's take a moment. I, I need to do this. I need, I need a correct some bad theology that unfortunately I was introduced to as a kid and heard it over and over and over. One of the things sometimes that, that Christians will do, and, and I struggle with this as a pastor, if somebody's battling an illness, one of the first things they'll come in and they'll say to me is, Pastor Justin, uh, I must have done something in my life and God's punishing me. I've heard that. I've, I hear this a lot, especially in Pentecostal circles. L- let me correct this bad theology. God is not punishing you. He can't do that. He's already punished Jesus on the cross for your sin. He can't, he, he, that's been taken care of, all right? So if somebody's, now, now listen, there are decisions that we make in life that, that can have negative consequences, okay? You go around, you have all kinds of unprotected sex, you could catch a sexually transmitted disease, and that's a direct result of something you did, all right? So I'm not saying that there are not consequences, but someone who comes to me and says, I have a, have a brain tumor, or I have cancer, or I have this, God must be punishing me because of something I did. That's bad theology because God has already punished Jesus Christ on the cross for your sin. So don't think like that. Don't, don't go there. Definitely don't think like that when you've got a loved one or someone you know who's battling uh, a sickness or a disease, all right? He's done that. He punished Jesus for your sin. Jesus took the wrath of your sin when he was on that cross. He took care of it already. All right, so why do people still get sick? Well, because there's still sin, right? That's why. He bore our sin and our sickness. He freed us from the penalty, but we are currently being freed from the power of sin and the power of sickness. You've got to understand this. It's, it's those two are linked together in all the Bible passages. So we, we realize there's still sin. Because there's still sin, there's this broken world still, there's still going to be sickness, now, how do, I, how do I receive healing? So I just answered that question. Does, does God still heal today? Absolutely, yes. And at the end of the service today, we're going to pray for those who are sick, and we're going to believe they're going to be healed. So the next question is, how do I receive healing? If you bore our sickness, how do I receive healing? Well, remember, how would you receive forgiveness of your sin? How would you receive forgiveness? By grace, right? Let's unpack that for a minute. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9. For by grace, for by grace, underline that word in your Bible, you have been saved through faith, and that's not in your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not as a result of work so that no one can boast. Not by faith, by grace. Some of us right now, we'll, we, we boast about how good we are and how many uh, sins we stay away from, and we, we just... We kind of pat ourselves on the back sometimes. We think we're pretty good. When we get to heaven, we're going to realize really what we are. No one is good. <laughs> we don't have any reason to pat ourselves on the back. Not by, not by faith, not by works. It's by grace. Through faith, that works. Did you hear me? Not by faith and not by works. It is by grace. Through faith, that works. 
Not through works, it is through faith. But it is a faith that works because faith, faith without works is dead. It's a mouthful. By grace, through faith. A lot of times in the Christian circles, people will say it's by our faith that we're saved. But if that's the case, then, then we get the credit, don't we? Then what do we praise God for if we can earn our salvation by our faith? It's because, goodness sakes alive, we we must have really amazing faith in order for God to have saved us. Man, Justin must have had an awesome faith for God to save him. No, we get saved not because of our great faith or because of our works, but by his grace. And here's why I'm making such a big deal of this. Because healing is the same concept. We get confused with this sometimes. All right, now I'm not telling you to not take care of your, your body and not, not extra. I'm not telling you to do that. Our body's the temple. We're supposed to be doing that, but that's not going to ensure that you never get sick. I hear sometimes Christians will teach that. That's, that's not necessarily the case. And I'm, take, I'm taking my doctor serious. I am not, I'm staying away from the donut shops. I'm only doing Skyline once a week. You know how embarrassing it was? My doctor made me fill out something about my meals that I eat. It was humiliating when he pulled it out. Because you don't pay attention when you're filling it out. He said, so, Justin, you, you, know, you correct me if I'm wrong. This says that you had Skyline for, for breakfast. I say, yeah, leftovers. I bought enough the night before because I like to have a bowl of Skyline in the morning. He said, but then it said you had two donuts at Dunkin' Donuts. I said, yeah, well, there's a Dunkin' Donuts by the church office, and I'll usually swing by, get a cup of coffee, two donuts. Okay, then you had pizza for lunch followed by a Big Mac, and I'm not even including all the snacks. He said, look, you got to change your uh, eating habits. That's, I'm going to take it serious because... Because he's right. If I don't change, I'm not going to, I got to start treating my body. It's the temple. I got to start taking care of myself. I got, I am what I eat. And according to Asher, his dad's a big donut. I got to change my habits. So, but, but I could be really healthy. All my dad was as healthy as you can imagine. Man, he was healthy. My mom was like crazy. We, I never had sugar. I was that kid that got granola bars in the stockings. I hated that. She'd throw in like nuts and granola bars. And we're from Seattle. Okay. Never got chocolate kisses or all the cool candy my friends got. I got granola bars and nuts. And and so my dad, he was put on a really strict diet. We didn't even buy food unless it was from the, the health market or whatever, organic, whatever she would call it. We couldn't even just go to the local grocery store and buy food. She was crazy. And even with all that, my dad died of a brain tumor. So take care of your body, but it's not going to be by anything that you do. You know, you got you to gotta understand this. You're, you can take care of your body as long as you want. You can be the most healthy, and you're probably going to live a longer life. You will. That's just, that's facts, right? You take care of your body, you're going to live longer. You're healthy, you're going to live longer. You're still going to die. You're still going to pass away. So you got to understand, not, not by faith, not by works, but by grace. So how do you receive healing? The same way you receive forgiveness, by grace through faith. On the cross, he bore our sin and he bore our sickness. So it's through grace, by faith. What if I'm not healed? That's the question. What if I'm not healed? What if I'm not healed physically? What if my loved one who's been diagnosed with a sickness is not healed? I think, I think we all have people that we know and love battling sickness. They're, and we're praying for healing. We have people in the church right now who are battling sickness and we're praying for them. What if they're not healed? Simple answer. Here it is. I remember, I learned this as a little kid. I I still remember sitting in the back seat. I was 14 years old. Mom and dad just got back from the doctors. They just told my dad the tumor's back. It spread, it grew. 
And I remember we got in the car. Mom and dad didn't know I could hear. They thought I had headphones on, but I didn't. I was listening. 14 years old, I'm scared. I know what the doctor just said about my dad. And my mom said, Jim, what are we gonna do if you don't get healed? What are we gonna do? I've got four kids. What am I gonna do? And I'll never forget my dad's answer. Paula, we're gonna trust God no matter what. We're gonna trust God no matter what. Listen to this statement made by the Apostle Paul in Philippians 1.20. He says, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Are you in that place today? We absolutely have to come to the place that we live in in a fallen world. We're all going to die at some point, but Christ is going to be magnified in my life, in my body. Let me tell you something. When my dad was diagnosed with a brain tumor, one of my friends who was the same age as me, his dad was diagnosed with cancer. Both were terminal. My friend's dad got miraculously healed. The doctor said it was a miracle. He should have died. It was a miracle divine. He was healed. He's still living today. My friend has his father today. My friend has his father who got to hold his grandkids, play with his grandkids. He was there for the birth of all his grandkids. Not in the room, but he was there. He was there. He's there for all the holidays. He's there. My dad, who was diagnosed around the same time, died after nine years of battling that. He died. And I want you to understand, we live in a fallen world but we trust God. My dad passed away. My friend's dad was healed from cancer. He lives today. We live in a fallen world, but we trust God. My friend has his father right now here on earth. I have my father right now in heaven. We trust God. I will have my biological father for all of eternity, but he's not here with me right now. He's not here with me physically right now. We, we have n- not been saved yet from the presence of sickness, but one day we will, and we are going to trust God. We're gonna trust God. Liz and I, when we first got married, uh, we got, she, well, it was a joint effort. Liz, Liz found out that she was pregnant, and it was a surprise for us. We were, <laughs> we were shocked, but we were really excited. And, and then she miscarried that baby. It was the same time our friends were pregnant and they had a baby. So they have that, that 15-year-old. We, we don't have that 15-year-old. They have, a, they have their 15-year-old right now with them, but we have a 15-year-old too that's in heaven. We live in a fallen world. We are not saved yet from the presence of sickness, but one day we will. So here's what I wanna do, because when you understand scripture, For so long, for so long in my own life, when my dad battled a tumor, I couldn't, I wasn't, I didn't understand scripture. I didn't understand the promises. You gotta understand the promise that Jesus makes to deliver us from sin and sickness is such a powerful promise. And when you teach God's word, all of it, when you teach it and you don't twist some of it, when you teach it, it can change your life. I never understood. I've ne- I am so emotional at a sports game. And then when I get to church, Liz will be like, you're just dead. 
Look, I told Liz this whole week studying this, I told my church, they better watch out because I feel like dancing like David danced. But I'm not gonna do that because he wasn't clothed. (laughs) When I understand this promise that Jesus makes, when he rode into Jerusalem on the donkey, he was making this declaration, I am their king, I am their Messiah. Do you know what this means? If Jesus is your king, you are forgiven of your sins and you are healed of your diseases. This is a powerful, powerful promise. And it changes everything. So here's what I want to do. We've got people sick. I want my prayer warriors to come up to the front. Anybody who's a prayer altar worker, I want you to come up to the front. And today is going to be a very specific altar call. If you are sick and you need healing, I want to invite you to the front. We want to pray for you that you would receive healing. If you have been diagnosed with a sickness or an illness of any kind, you are battling chronic back pain, whatever it is, I want you to come up front today. We want to pray for you because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus heals us of our sins and he heals us of our diseases and sicknesses. And I want to do this. I'm going to close in prayer and I'm going to officially dismiss you. I went over, Enos, I'm sorry. <laughs> I went over, I wasn't supposed to do that. But I wanna, I wanna personally invite you, do not leave this room if you are battling a sickness. Come up and get prayed for. And we're gonna dismiss. Worship team's gonna stay up here and pray. Downstairs, we've got all kinds of activities. We're picking up the kids in a special place, aren't we, Enos? Picking up the kids in a special place. Right here to my right, your left in the classrooms. So don't forget that. Your kids aren't downstairs. But let's pray. And then if you're sick, come get prayed for. Father, we love you so much. We love your word. And we are grateful today that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, puts that invitation to anybody can be in that kingdom. Anybody can call Jesus their king. We're so thankful for that. We're thankful that you overcame death. We're thankful that you went to the cross and you gave us the ability to experience your freedom, your forgiveness. And God, I thank you that you are a God that heals disease and sickness. Lord, I pray today that in this service, that those who come to the front, I pray they will be healed. God, I pray for healing from physical sicknesses today, whatever it is. And God, I pray right now that if we have loved ones who are battling this, Lord, I'm gonna pray for them as well. God, would you touch our loved ones who are battling sickness and disease and would you heal them? And would you continue to heal our hearts and our minds? God, we live in a fallen world pray that we would just soak up your word. And as we do, our perspective would be changed. Give us your heart. Give us your mind. Let us see what you're doing. Let us not miss the importance of what you're doing. There were so many people who welcomed Jesus in on Palm Sunday, praised him and worshiped him, hailed him as king, only three days later to be shouting, crucify him. They missed it. They had expectations of what they thought Jesus should be or what they thought their king should be. God, don't let us miss what you are doing because we see it through this this little tiny window. And we're missing what you're really wanting to do. Make all things new. We focus so much on this side of eternity sometimes. Give us your perspective. Don't let us miss it. Don't let us miss it, Jesus. Give us faith, I pray in Jesus' name.